Good morning and welcome. It's as far as my script goes, apparently. Just kidding. Um, anyways, good morning and welcome. Um, we're here to worship Jesus today. We worship God. Uh, we're thankful for his son. And um, a lot of people in the world are talking about his birth at this time of year. And I know Matt's sermon today is going to talk about the next several years. They're up into his teenage years, so it's a little bit more of the story. There's plenty to his life. Uh, Chuck and I have been talking about his life for a long time in a Sunday morning class. We've got a long time to go still on it. So it's a, it's a worthy subject to study. If you're interested in studying more on that, see us. There's some more information back there by the wall from the World Bible School if you're interested in some of that. This morning we're going to hear from his word. We're going to sing songs to uh, speak the truth out of our own mouths. We're going to speak it to one another. We've already heard part of that this morning with uh, as Ray laid Silent Night. And we'll do more of that. We're going to pray. We're going to have a time to remember his sacrifice. Jesus' sacrifice on the cross that gives us the option for the forgiveness of sins and that life with God eternal. We'll have time for, our, for offering. If you're here, if you'd like to give something for offering, we have three, four colored boxes on the wall. I think they're flags of nations that were in the World Cup, but I'm not really sure about that. Chuck says probably not. So, anywho. We'll have all that this morning as we do each and every Sunday. Uh, we're glad to have you. If you're a visitor here, you're not here very often or whatever, we have bulletins out there in the foyer. Grab yourself one of those, and our communion comes in a little Ziploc bag. Um, so if you grab one of those before that time. Um, anyways, please pray with me, and we'll get things started. Dear Lord, we're thankful for your love. We're thankful for your wisdom. We're thankful for your mercy. We're thankful that before time began, it was part of your plan that you would send your son, that you would send him to the earth to live as a man, to understand us better, to understand what we face and temptations each and every day. And that the plan would ultimately be that you'd give your own son as the perfect sacrifice for our sins. And all that, although that happened 2,000 years ago, it washes away, his blood washes away our sins today and it will until he comes again. Father, we're thankful for the opportunity to worship you, to worship you for our, the health we have, the, uh, the houses we have, the, home, uh, the, uh, the jobs we have. We worship you for your creation. Worship you for your wisdom. Worship you for the all-powerful, all-knowing, all-the-time God that you are. Father, we ask that you be with each one of us, that we have soft heart year-round, that we can speak the truth, that we can share the good news wherever it's needed, and it's needed so far, so many places. Father, we ask that you uh, be with us this morning during worship, and uh, help us to proclaim your good news. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And a good morning, wishing you all a very blessed Christmas. Our congregational scripture reading this morning comes from Matthew 2, 1 through 2. Shall we read together? Angels from the realms of glory, 
Amen. Father in heaven, just in case it didn't have your attention, how's that? All right. Dear Father in heaven, we think so much about your, your son's death, but this time of year we think about his birth, that the Prince of Peace came, Father. He brought peace between us and you. Be with us, Father, that our hearts are open, that we can have peace with our brothers, our sisters, that love our neighbor, love our neighbor as we love ourselves, Father. And we show that you're the God of love. That's not part of what you do, that's who you are. Strengthen us, Father. This world is tough and help us to walk in your path 
Help us to grow stronger in your word, Father. Be with those that are among us that their spirits or they're physically struggling, Father. Your healing hand upon them, on their spirit, on their body. We be those that have lost loved ones, those that are going through difficult times now with this weather, Father. Help us that we look for opportunities that we can show you to, to this world, Father. We can show the grace that you have and the promise of hope that we all have to be with you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Our next song will help us prepare our minds for observance of the Lord's Supper. Psalm chapter 40, starting in verse 6, we read, You have not desired sacrifice and meal offering. You have opened my ears. You have not required burnt offering and sin offering. Then I said, Behold, I have come. It is written of me in the scroll of the book. I delight to do your will, my God. Your law is within my heart. And this is clearly prophecy towards Jesus, um, the role that he is meant to fulfill, um, both in the sacrifices, but also uh, as one that knows the law from birth and one that uh, seeks to do the will of God. Um, from, from a young age, we see that in Jesus, but also we see him to the very end where he sacrifices himself for us. And, and that life is one that we wish to emulate. And uh, part of that is doing what he did. Um, the communion is something that he established for us to remember him and his life and his uh, love for us. And so let's go ahead and bow and pray for the bread. Dear God, thank you for your son's body. Um, thank you for the church that serves as the, the wife of Christ. And thank you for continuing to build us up when we fall for giving us strength. Please help us to enjoy this life, but remember to look forward to the eternal life that you've promised. Help us to be grateful for all that you've given for us. 
In your name, amen. now bow for the for Levon. Dear God, thank you most of all for the sacrifice that provides us a way beyond this life, provides us eternal life. Thank you for the forgiveness that we do not deserve. Thank you for showing us how to love showing us the, the dynamic of family. Thank you for the, the happy and warm times that, that are Christmas. Thank you for all things. But most of all, help us to keep focus on you and, and to, to forever repent of, repent of our sins and seek to do your will. In your name, amen. I'll give a prayer for the offering. Dear God, thank you for the gifts that you so richly blessed us with, the opportunity to do good in the world. Help us to carry that out and however we can. Not all of us have funds, especially when, when we're in a period of economic tightness, but for those that see it right to give time, to give energy, to give their, their warm spirit, to give a hug to those that are down. Help us to offer ourselves the way that Christ offered himself. Help us to be the warmth in a difficult world. In your name, amen. Today's scripture is going to be from Luke chapter 2, verses 28 through 32. Simon took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory of your people Israel. Children's Church is available, second grade and younger. 
At this time, they may be dismissed. Our song before the lesson, Joy to the World, If It's Convenient, Shall We Stand? Joy to the world. First off, let me start by saying Merry Christmas to everyone this wonderful morning. We've already had a little bit of a Christmas miracle. I can't remember the last time it snowed in Florida. I know some of you are um, from Northern Territory and you say that wasn't snow, that was sleet. Well, in Florida, if it's ice and it's coming down and it's not hail, it's snow. Very cool thing to watch everybody walking in today in our snowstorm that we had. I'm really um, glad everybody got here on their safe travels. I was worried about how icy the roads were going to be out there. <clears throat> I don't know how it went for you at your house. Everybody's house is different, but we were up at 6.30 this morning to screams. They were good screams. And we were out at 8 in the morning in the freezing cold trying out all our new toys, which was very exciting. Um, Last week we discussed all the way to the nativity, and part of the reason why I did that was because I didn't really expect the church to be this full this morning, so really appreciate everybody coming out. Um, Jesus is the reason for the season. This is, this is the thing to celebrate. Santa is great and all, but Jesus, without Jesus, there really wouldn't be any point to celebrate at all. Without Jesus, we wouldn't have hope, right? So... Today we're going to focus on what happened right after his birth. But I want you to remember where we left off last week. Last week we discussed the fact that it was not this grand nativity that you see. And the nativity is cool because it shows all the different elements of the young 
childhood moments of Jesus. But what happened on the night he was born was him, his mom, his dad, and some shepherds and some animals in a barn, in a manger. That's what happened. Very few people even knew it happened. Very few people were there to see it. That, that's really what happened. So when we get to the next part, after that moment, we actually arrive in Luke chapter 2, verse 22. And it says this, And when the time came for their purification. Now, if you go and you look into this, and, and I studied this to make sure I knew exactly what I was talking about. You, go, you have to read the, all Leviticus 12. But what you will find is the purification wasn't for Jesus. It was actually for Mary. So after a woman gave birth under the old law, there was a time of purification. There was a time where she was not allowed to go to the temple. There was a time, depending on whether it was a boy or a girl, and just so you know, boys, you got to go back to the temple quicker than girls. Now, you can take that up with the Lord, but that's the way it was. So that's what this is. She has went through her time of purification. Now they're going to the temple. Okay? So, it says, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Now, since he was a boy, you had seven days, and then you had 33 days of purification, and then totaling 40 days. And then you could go to the temple. So that's what they did. So it's 40 days after Jesus is born is the next moment you see after the manger. I want to point that out because we, the, the scriptures travel really fast through all of this. So it says, as it is written in the law, Lord, every male who uh, first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. Again, talking about this purification. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now this might be confusing because when you go to Leviticus 12, one of the things you will find is that you could also do a lamb. But this to me speaks to the economic situation that Jesus was born into. If you couldn't afford a lamb, then this was the process you did. The two young pigeons or the two turtle doves. If you couldn't afford a lamb, then you got birds. That's what he was born into. He wasn't born into some a rich family. He wasn't born, as we said, with this amazing announcement where the whole world was waiting and celebrating. He was born in humble circumstances. So when they get to the temple, again, this is 40 days after he's born, some amazing things happen. There's a man there, his name is Simeon, and Simeon has been told by the Holy Spirit, you're not going to die until you see the Messiah. And the Messiah is coming in your life and you will not die until you see the Messiah. So here comes Mary and Joseph and they're carrying baby Jesus into the temple. And Simeon comes rushing up to them and he takes Jesus into his arms. And he says this, verse 29. Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. See, right from the beginning, the prophet understands what Jesus' purpose really was. It was not to come 
It, it, it gave, it, he came to separate good from evil for sure. That's why he talks about a sword. I came to bring a sword, but it was also to unite. There was no longer Jew or Gentile. There were just Christians and those who have not accepted Jesus. That's what it was. Then it says, verse 34, and Simeon blessed them and said, Mary, and said to Mary, his mother, behold, this child is appointed for the fall and the rising of many in Israel. And for a sign that is opposed and a sword will pierce through your own soul also so that thoughts for many hearts will be revealed. Now, this is interesting this is a part we don't normally focus on. This isn't a part that you see that you normally think of right from the beginning. But what Simeon is telling Mary and Joseph is that Jesus is going to sift the world. We hear about this later on in the Gospels where it talks about separating the sheep from the goats. There are going to be people. Every single person has to come into this question. Is Jesus Christ the son of God? This is how he sifts the world. This is how some will rise and some will fall. And you see this, and we're going to get into this a little bit deeper from, from his exact life, but this, this reaches even to us. Because Jesus is sifting you as well. So you have to come to that point in your life where you either accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior or you don't. And that's exactly what this is talking about. Simeon says, this is what it's all going to be about. And by the way, it's going to be your heart. It's going to be really where your heart is. It's not just going to be about your actions. It's not just going to be about your thoughts. It's going to be about where is your heart? Where is your motive in this life? And at the same time, it says actually in that very hour, there's a prophetess named Anna. And she's an older lady. And she does not leave the temple. In fact, as Luke says, she lives at the temple. She doesn't leave it. And she spends a lot of her time fasting and praying and, and she starts speaking about Jesus. About that specific child that just got singled out by Simeon who just pronounced to all the people that were within hearing distance at the, at the very least that this was the Messiah, that the Messiah just entered the temple. And she starts speaking about him too. Not randomly, not quoting um, prophecy about the Messiah. She is talking about Jesus. That boy that's over there with Mary and Joseph, that's the Messiah. I want you to see this picture 40 days after he's born. So you have this huge announcement at the center of worship. At the place where many of the leaders would have been. And many of the leaders would have heard from devout people. And then enters the wise men. Now I'm going to tell you, most of you probably imagine the wise men coming maybe even before or shortly after 
the shepherds. But there are some very big clues in the scriptures here that would say the wise men came after. So Matthew 2 says this. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, Herod being the puppet king, and I really want to point that out. He is a puppet. He has no power. He answers to Rome. So imagine being a Jew. Is he really your king? Or is he somebody who's um, taking the favor of Rome to rule over you? See, most people probably thought of Herod not, not much better than a tax collector. And you know what they thought about tax collectors. What do you think about a tax collector? You want all these new IRS people out there? I didn't think so. That wasn't planned. <clears throat> but that's what he is. He's a puppet. And so it says, the wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Now, this is a very interesting thing as well, because there is a star that's significant to them. And really, if they knew to look for a star and if they knew that this star, once they saw it, they knew it had to be the Messiah. They get on their, um, I'm assuming camels because of all the pictures. Maybe they walked the whole way. Maybe they rode horses like normal people. I don't know. But whatever it was, when they saw this star, they got on their journey. Now to me, that star probably rose the day he was born. I'm going to explain that a little bit further as well. So it says, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? They knew it. For we saw a star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. It wasn't just Herod though. Look at this. It wasn't just Herod. And all of Jerusalem with him. Who's all of Jerusalem? The ruling class. The people who would have been in the presence of the wise men during the time that Herod is being told this. These are the people who are troubled. The same people who most likely, if not were in the temple, when Jesus was announced, were certainly heard of it from their faithful people who were at the temple. So now you have the prophets from your own people in your own temple who are prophesying about Jesus, specifically this child. And now you have wise men from afar who say, we have followed a star all the way to here because we know it's the Messiah's star and we want to know where is he? What were they expecting? They were expecting everybody to know. If we know way out here, how do you guys not know? This is what you've been waiting for your whole life. That's not the reaction they had. It wasn't an overjoyed reaction, was it? It wasn't let's celebrate and um, declare it a month of celebration for the Messiah's born or anything. Like that. Nah. It bothered them. So, in case you were wondering who are some of the specific people that it might have troubled, that might be a part of this right from the beginning. It says, in assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them with where the Christ was to be born. Now, these people, these specific categories of people, chief priests, scribes, 
These are people you find over and over in Jesus' life. You bring in the Pharisees and Sadducees as well, but these are the people you find over and over in Jesus' life that are kind of out to get them. It didn't just happen after the baptism by John. It happened all the way at the beginning. Here's the bad, here's the sad part, I guess. Is they knew the scripture well enough to know where he was going to be born. They knew. That's Micah. By the way, it's not Isaiah. It's not Jeremiah. It's not Daniel, it's not Ezekiel, it's not the major prophets, it's the minor prophets. So it's more obscure, and they knew where he was going to be born. They knew. It's not like they weren't reading. It's not like they were clueless. They knew where to look the second Herod asked. So Herod brings the wise men back and he says, hey, you go out there and you search diligently and he should be in Bethlehem. And when you find him, come back and report to me because we're going to follow up and worship him too. Now, what do you think tipped off the wise men that something was off here? Do you think they could feel the atmosphere in the room when they originally announced it and all the people of Israel were troubled? What about this? If you're that excited about it, are you going to wait till it's found and then go with them? Or are you going to go and help them find? They didn't go, oh, just come back to me and tell me later. Doesn't seem that important all of a sudden. We just traveled from afar to come here for this moment. You can't travel to Bethlehem with us? So there's some interesting things that are happening here, but to be honest... I'm not sure Herod didn't pull it off. I'm not sure he didn't have them fooled. So then it continues. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And those of us who study and study hard, we know gold, meant for, gold was a, a, a gift for a king. Frankincense was a gift for a priest. And myrrh is what you buried people in. So the wise men knew. They knew the gospel before it happened. They knew what he was coming to do. And part of that was to come and die. Think about that. And this is why I think maybe Herod pulled it off because what does this say? It says before they left, they were actually warned in a dream. Like they were thinking about going back to Herod and God said, don't do that. <laughs> He's not coming to worship. This is another interesting thing and why I think you can, um, I think I passed it actually, but Notice here in this moment, all the way at the bottom of this slide, when the wise men show up, where do they show up to? They weren't in a manger anymore. They had a home. Now this is interesting as well, because I'm going to point something out a little bit later, but they had a home. This is why I think it's down the road. They're not in a hotel. They had a home. 
They were staying at a very specific place. And if you look at different translations, that is what it'll say. They, the, the star was over the house that they were in. So being warned, they decide, we're not going to go back to Herod. We're going to go back to our own country. And then shortly after that, in fact, it says as soon as they left, then Joseph's warned in a dream as well. You got to leave. Herod's coming. And when he comes, he's going to kill all the baby boys. And Herod's decree is for two years, and up, two years and down. And that's based on when the wise men saw the star originally, because that's what he asked them. When did that star actually appear? He was already calculating then. So I want you to see that the wise men could have showed up well, well into Jesus' life. But certainly was not the night that he was born. Makes for a better story in some ways. But it's just not the reality. Jesus was born into a world where hardly anybody even knew what was going on. The only people looking for him were from afar. And when the people that should have been looking for him heard about him, they set out a plot to kill him. Which is why he escapes. Where does he go of all places? He goes to Egypt. You see, Matthew is constantly pointing out that everything that Jesus does while he's young, and, I, and this is an extremely important point to the whole Christmas story to me, while he's young, if he's not God, he has no control over any of this stuff. Did you control where you were born? Were his parents going to even go to Bethlehem? Was it just by their own choice that they went? No. There was a census that forced them to go there. Were they ever in their mind thinking, you know what? I think Egypt would be a great place to live. No. They were escaping having their child, their son, being killed. All these things are scripture. All these things were written thousand years at least before it ever happened. And here we are. Jesus, just a baby boy, just another human being like me or you. How many of these does he fulfill before it becomes mathematically impossible? How many coincidences have to happen? Man, that's a coincidence, all right. Before it's no longer a coincidence. In Matthew 2, 16 through 18, is the worst part of the story. Herod delivers out his orders. And imagine how sad of a day it must have been. Quite the opposite of Christmas Day. Imagine being in Bethlehem the day that they came to do what they did. I think if Jesus was just a normal human being and Joseph and Mary were just doing what everybody else was doing, Jesus would have been there.
So eventually, Herod dies. Puppet King Herod, he dies. And at that moment, Joseph has another dream. And in that dream, he's told, you can go back now for Herod is dead. Now I know if some royalty were to die today that was important to our culture, you would hear about it within hours of it happening. But this, obviously, time to, word didn't travel that fast during this time. But they know when to go back. And when they go back, there's, there's one thing I want to point out to you. It says, but when they heard that, uh, that Archelaus was reigning over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. You see, this is why I think maybe Jesus spent actually a lot of time in Bethlehem, a lot of time around Jerusalem. And I think Joseph's plan originally was, well, when all this blows over, we're going to go back. But it was because of Herod's son that he decided we're not going back. Because Herod's son knows just as much as Herod. And Herod's son ain't going to be any happier than Herod to know that we're right there. So they go to Nazareth. Now one of the things that's interesting about this, and I, and I will tell you, is Matthew says in the, he goes to Nazareth to fulfill the word of the prophets. This is the one time between Luke and Matthew where it says to fulfill it. Normally every other time it says the prophet, the prophet, singular. This is the one time where he says prophets. And truthfully, if you go and you look for that specific moment where Jesus is called a Nazarene, you're not going to find it. It doesn't specifically say Jesus will be a Nazarene. You start putting a bunch of things the prophets said together, you might be able to make a case. That's the reality. But there is no specific prophecy like the ones I've shown you that say Jesus would be from Nazareth. So you got 40 days old. You got somewhere between 40 days and a few years. And then you got 12-year-old Jesus. Preteen Jesus. Anybody have preteens? 12 years old is when they really start trying your patience, I think. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about, and you're not even parents yet, because you were that 12-year-old. Some of you, <laughs> I'll just leave that alone. Anyway, I was that 12-year-old. But his parents, they go to the, to the feast of the Passover every single year because they're good, devout Jews and they do what the law requires and, 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 and all the way to the nth degree, really. And so they're 12 years old. This is not Jesus' first time. This is his 12th time. He knows the drill. Truth be told, he knows the drill. I'm not going to make any excuses for Jesus. He knows the drill. If you get left and your parents are a day's journey away, it can't just be their fault. It can't. It can't. I know some of you don't like that, but it can't. <clears throat> so he's 12 years old. His parents get a day's journey away on their way home, and they realize 
you know what? We forgot somebody, and that somebody just so happens to be the Messiah, the Son of God. Like, I don't know about your prayer life, but that would be a hard one to pray about. God, I'm really sorry I forgot your son. God, since he was born, people have been trying to kill him and plot against him. And you know what? We left him to fend for himself. Only in Jerusalem, only where the chief priests and the scribes would be hanging out, waiting for this moment. That's where he's at. And when they get back, they says that he, they search for him for three days. You know what's interesting about that? In three days, where's the last place they look? Where's the last place they look? The last place they look was the temple. <laughs> now, Jesus, if 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 there was ever anything written that would um, um, be right on the line, right? There's always. People will always say, oh, Jesus lost his temper and it wasn't good what he did in the temple when he was knocking over tables and chasing people around. But this is the other moment. Both of them happened in the temple, by the way. Because his parents, imagine, imagine you mothers, imagine you um, future mothers, imagine you grandmothers, imagine you show up after a day's journey and then searching for three days. So it's been four days you have not seen your child. You don't even know if they're alive. You start thinking all the terrible things that could happen because that's what mothers do. And you show up and he's hanging out in the temple and don't get me wrong, it, it paints a picture where he's in the temple and he's got everybody's attention. He is the center of attention. And all these, um, all these um, very powerful people are amazed at the things that he's saying and the understanding that he has. That part is cool. They walk in, they're like, wow, this is pretty cool. But then Mary being the mother that she is, she says, where have you been? What are you doing? You're in trouble. I mean, it doesn't say exactly that, but let's be honest. That's what you'd have said, right? Somebody's grounded. And what does Jesus say? He says something that if Nathan would say it to me, I would throw him through a wall. He says, where were you looking? That's what he said. Where... Why were you even worried? Where were you looking? Don't you know I'm about my father's business? Don't you know I'd be right here? Now, as much as that's maybe smart, Alec, in one way, it's 100% the truth in another. Why was the temple the last place they looked? Let me tell you, let me, let me say exactly what he said. He said, she says, son, why have you treated us so? How could you do this to your parents? You know, moms, y'all hit that guilt trip right away. Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. We have been in panic mode. Joseph's being the dad every other dad is too, just sitting back like, get him. Once you're done, I'll get my piece too, but go ahead. Nobody does it like mom. 
We have searched everywhere for you. You have worried us to death. That's what my mom would have said. Why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? Why would you even look for me? And then it says, and he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. In other words, he was a good son and didn't just go off and do whatever he wanted after that. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Now, listen, I'm not saying that Jesus was being rebellious or anything like that in this moment. But I am trying to show you the real human side of the things that were going on at this time. Let me give you one more real human side of things that went on. Some of the people, this is my opinion, I can't prove this without a shadow of a doubt, but it certainly makes sense to me. Some of the people who were there when the wise men showed up and heard the proclamation from these wise men of afar. Some of the people were also probably there in the temple and heard the prophets speak of Jesus, specifically that boy that's of Mary and Joseph. Some of the people were also there again in the temple when he's 12 years old, blowing everyone's mind. He knows scripture better than the rabbis who have studied it their whole life and his application is better as well. They are in awe. And some of those people were also in the temple the night that he was betrayed and tried. You know, life is about what you want to see to an extent. Sometimes your motives can lead you in the wrong direction. Sometimes this world can fool you and deceive you as well. Sometimes you can just make a bad choice and it can snowball into a whole bunch of bad choices and before you know it, You've missed the boat. And I think in some situations, everybody falls into that category. My point is this. Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? See, that's really what today is all about for me. I worship the Son of God. The King arrived. He came and he laid down his life so that all of us can be without sin, so that all of us can have the hope of eternal life. But the same decision that was in their laps 2,000 years ago is now in yours. Have you accepted him? Have you had your sins washed away? Have you received the gift of the Holy Spirit? Have you been added to the kingdom? Have you been baptized? And for those of us who have, don't let the world forget what this season's really all about. They want to make it about Black Fridays, where really it's just a good way for the retail stores to sell all their stuff they don't want anymore. If you've ever bought a Black Friday TV, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's like five years old. That's why it's on sale, guys. They want to make it about the hustle and the bustle. It's about remembering family. It's about remembering what's important. 
It's about remembering that giving is better than receiving. It's about remembering that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I pray that you have the opportunity to share that with somebody you love today or in the next week. Also want to say Happy New Year. We're going to be gone until next year. We don't know exactly when we're coming back, so we'll see you when we see you. No, but seriously, have a Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Thank you so much for coming. God bless you. If there's any need to respond to the invitation, you can come as together we stand and sing. Thank you, Matt. We pray that you've been blessed by uh, making worship your first priority this morning. Thank you for being here. I have a few announcements before we close. Uh, first of all, I want to remind you that there will be no evening service today. Hope you'll have some good times with your family and friends. There will be a senior adult game day on Thursday, January 5th at 10 a.m. If you plan to attend that, please sign up in the foyer. The Nobles family will be hosting an old-fashioned cane grinding on Saturday, January 7th. All of you are invited. Just bring a dish to share and a lawn chair. Uh, Grant Hunter will be teaching our Wednesday night Bible class this week. Uh, you may want to come and be a part of that and encourage Grant as well as learn some things that he's learned up in college, I'm sure. We'll have an update on some of our sick. Uh, Mitzi Robinson had a heart ablation this past week. The procedure went well, and they hope this will stop her problems with AFib. Please continue to pray for Mitzi. Karen White is recovering from gallbladder surgery. At last word, she was doing very well. Continue to pray for her. Glenda Massey had a mitral valve repair. The surgery went well, but she is still, according to her daughter we spoke with, in dire condition. Please continue to pray for Glenda Massey.
We're happy to say that George Wilson, Debbie Coswell's father, was able to come home from the hospital. He still has some challenges. Continue to pray for him. You have something else? Have a wonderful, oh, I have a card to read. Sorry, Matt. Uh, Merry Christmas. Praying the love of God will fill you with joy. The peace of God will fill you with hope. And the grace of God will surround you with reminders of his presence this Christmas and in the new year. Thank you for your encouragement, support, and prayers. In Christ's love, Chris Carter and family. Chris Carter is the prison minister that was here just a few weeks ago to speak with us. So that's from him. Just wanted to personally thank everybody again for the bonus we received. It's this really is, uh, I say job loosely because it's really just a lifestyle and it's really a pleasure to serve everyone and um, just really want to thank everybody for uh, the gift that you gave me and my family. Um, it means a lot to us and it went really far this morning as well. So thank you. Shall we stand for a closing song? this morning, but Matt delivered what we all needed. Thank you, Matt. We pray with me? Heavenly Father, I'd like to thank you for the beautiful morning, Father, that we, that we had. Father, I'd like to thank you for answering some little kid's prayer it, that they asked for some snow. They, they got snow in Florida. It was a, if that wasn't a miracle. So, Heavenly Father, I'd like to thank you for the uh, time that we've had to come here, the, the time that we've had to worship you and give praise to you, Father. It's all about you, it's all, and, and you made it all about us, and it comes right back around to you, Father, and that you prepared a place in heaven for us for eternity. Father, I'd like to ask you to be with the, the families that are gathering for the holidays. Um, keep them safe. Keep their travel safe. Uh, let them have fun, rejoice, celebrate their, their loved ones, Father. 
And as we do everything, just let us be remindful that everything's through you, everything that's good. In Jesus' name, amen.